0: Welcome once again to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. Here we are taping on a Friday, and it is exciting. I got Jeremy Wiseman by my side, the Vice President of Guildhall Wealth Management. And due to a little bit of technical difficulty yesterday, we are down in the studios at Chorus once again, happy to bring this show to you. And as we tape here on Friday, lo and behold, what a week for gold and silver. It's been a busy week. We've had a lot of buying activity Maybe people were sniffing out this move, Jeremy. It's certainly been one that we've been waiting for, for a while now. And it is exciting to see the market actually advance. Now, as we taped the show here on Friday, Jeremy, the price of silver sitting at $14 and 90 cents, that's the spot price gold sitting up above 1235 again, and very exciting to see where we're heading here in the near term. Are you getting the sense? That as we do this show, we've got a lot of talk about, but are you getting the sense now that maybe we're going to see a little bit of shake, rattle and roll here and the market's going to jump? Or is this another, uh, maybe a false jump and it's going to pull back? What's your feeling on it? Take on it. will will hold you to it, but I want to know. When we look at uh,
1: the investors who are coming to the market, um, a lot of people who are new to the market are surprised to hear that we have very little sellers In the market, more on everyone's way more on the buy side of the physical
0: market. Explain that that though, explain that so that people understand that totally clearly.
1: What I mean by that is you see this price action, Mm -hmm. and you assume that because the price went down in the paper market, that somehow that translated to what we're in, which is what we call the over the counter market, the retail market, the physical market. The physical market. And so, Paper can push the market down. It's uh, it's an illusional, uh, that's a new word, illusional. It's an illusion of inventory. It's just make it fake, up Friday. fake inventory that they make up out of nowhere. The regulators aren't really watching in the in the United States for that. And for some reason, the banks are getting away with it for now. But it's an opportunity for people to continue to buy. So, for example, you saw that... Uh, uh, there was the gold uh, world gold council just came out with a report showing how there were major outflows from the gold ETF and all of those outflows were made up for by central bank buying, commercial buying or retail buying sector, uh jewelry and some industrial but it it all made up for it. So any any sale that was made if physical product was sold out of the ETF, it was all snapped up on the other side. So When you see the paper, people think, oh, that must mean that everybody's selling. And that's actually completely not the case. Those who are acquiring physical precious metals are doing it for a very strategic reason, whether it's uh, to have their reserve asset, whether it's they see that it's undervalued in a world where everything is completely overvalued. So they're surprised to see that we're not... We're not having a lot of people coming back to sell, and there's a lot more people on the buy side. And so this is a market that's been, um, so to answer your question, the earlier question for you, Darren, is it's been interesting to watch how, uh, what's the word, Um, cagey the market is. You know, market goes down a little bit. There's volatility. There's some volatility. Like $15 on gold, and and everyone just kind of… Uh, gets a little scared, and then as soon as the market goes back up $50, everyone's slamming back into the market. So, And I think that's a reflection of what's going on in equities.
0: Well, if you're watching this market and you're paying attention, this might represent one of the last times we see the $14 range for silver in a long time and most analysts, as they have said quite frequently, although the price dropped down from earlier in the year and being in that $16 range, we had anticipated moving higher in price. Opportunity knocked, that window was expanded and it gave a purpose to investors because as you said, Paper does not equate to physical. And that is what's happening at Guild Hall, folks. We are about 80 to one right now. For every 80 buyers, we're getting maybe one, two sellers. That's it. We don't have product flow through, so when a person comes to us to buy product, most of the time we're having to replace that product with brand new product being shipped in from our suppliers, from the mints around the world. And that's equal parts exciting, And equal parts, it's scary. I mean, because we want to know where the product is. Our people through the Eastern part of the world, our contacts there, you might've heard us talk to Andrew McGuire from now, uh, every now and then they're telling us that they're having a hard time even getting a product in the Hong Kong market in Switzerland, other places around the world. Now this is very, very much non-mainstream news because let's face it folks. I mean, gold and silver, it doesn't make the mainstream news every night. It should because when gold rises, when silver rises, it's usually an inkling that something in the world is wrong. We're going to talk more about that today. The number to get going one eight seven seven eight silver. If you're listening to this, we had a seminar this weekend which was planned and it's uh, fully booked. We do apologize for any of you that didn't get the chance to come. We certainly would love to have you at the offices that seminar is going to be discussing most of the stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis and how to get into these markets. So we'll do more of that. But in the meantime, if you want to find out about how to invest, how to get silver and gold into your portfolio or shipped home to you or come by, visit us and pick some up, guildhallwealth.com is the website. Now, Jeremy, we're going to be talking about a couple of things today. Silver bottoming, being complete. Now this made a a lot of sense yesterday, uh, but today it's like an extreme yes. We got an article that we brought in here. We're gonna talk about that ratio 84, 85 to 1 between silver and gold. Still a lot of value to be had there. Jim Record Jim Rickards had something to say about the economy. He feels that we're one full stop away from a complete meltdown. And the the numbers are being juggled. They're being fixed. They're being massaged, shall we say, in the U.S. In, in particular, but also concerns about China. And that's where he's focused his attention. So we'll talk about that. Exactly. Treasury to hear boring. About that. Yeah. Treasury boring uh, and, and the uh, demands of, uh, of, of what debt puts in terms of pressure on an economy, uh, where we've been through Bush, Obama, and now Trump. And uh, the question of the week. And we're going to start with that question of the week because this is a, an integral part of what we do. A question was sent in from David, uh, he's from Omimi, Ontario, and this was sent in a couple of weeks ago. We didn't have a chance to address it. We wanted to address it properly and it's a very simple question. And it was asked many times and we dealt with it earlier uh, in shows a few years back in 2016 the government of Canada basically sold all of the remaining gold reserves. Now, for folks that don't realize, this was a very significant moment behind the scenes because of all the G8 nations, Canada is currently the only country without a gold stash. Now, in a resource-laden country like Canada is, it's more than amazing to point that out. But for you, David, we're going to discuss the reasons why here. Uh, Jeremy, when that happened... I have to say you and I remember talking to you about it. We're not overly surprised that it actually occurred. Let's face it. They didn't have much to sell to begin with, but it wasn't a big shock in the, in the, in the office, like it might have been for other countries.
1: It was, it was not a big shock, as you said, because they didn't have that much to sell. So that in itself was the shock. The fact that the Canadian reserves of, of physical gold to, um, was just something that they weren't interested in, and then to sell it off was sort of, you know, I guess they figured, well, we don't have much to begin with anyway, so let's just get rid of it. Uh, I think it says a lot about uh, if you look at what happened in England with Brown's Bottom, because it looked like they sold off right at the bottom. Of course, they sold off a, again a, a much less significant portion of gold at the
0: at the time. Two seventy five an ounce. Where they liquidated into the open market, that was the average average For value. Brown's bottom, Brown's bottom, and yeah. uh, he was he was rewarded quite handsomely with the opportunity to be prime minister of Britain. Right, right. That was lovely. It's that's what should happen, you know. But Canada didn't have that kind of gold. We didn't have a big stash like other countries have had. In fact, we're the only country in the G eight that doesn't have a hundred tons or more. Believe it or not,
1: it, it's curious how how as you said a resource. Um, a, a resource-heavy country wouldn't understand the fundamentals of what it means to have gold as part of your central bank. So I think it says, uh, you know, uh, I don't find that a positive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not happy about that. You see countries around the globe that are much more savvy when it comes to seeing the 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 geopolitical spectrum, and saying, well, wait a minute, if we're going to protect our sovereignty, we have to have something that has zero counterparty risk. So when you're buying stocks, bonds, all of those things have counterparties, and gold doesn't have a counterparty. Paper gold has counterparties. Paper gold does, absolutely. Paper silver. That's right. Paper gold has counterparties. But the idea of having physical gold means there's no counterparty.
0: Well, let's, let's stay on this point for a second, because not only do we have no gold, But we're ranked dead last out of 100 central banks around the world and countries like Albania and others are ahead of us in terms of gold holdings. Now you might ask yourself, why is that? Well let's deal with that for a second. The UK's reasoning for selling its gold at the time was that it wanted to diversify its assets away from gold, which was deemed to be too volatile. So over the years
1: we've read that Goldman Sachs was
0: majorly short on gold and
1: they needed physical gold to shore up the market because they were in big trouble and guess where Gordon Brown were once worked Of course and in lots of in <laughs> lots
0: of discussion about that behind the scenes there's always a, a a yin to the yang so to speak in terms of what the risk was when they sold and, and they'll tell you that but Canada was the same way Canada believes that gold is not a currency That's the first very important point, and it's a significant one, because in their reasoning for wanting to sell, they basically said that it's a long-standing policy of diversifying their portfolio by selling physical commodities, such as gold, not just gold, but others as well, and instead investing in financial assets that are easily tradable. They deem this, this is right out of the Bank of Canada's reasoning, uh, that are easily tradable and that have deep markets of buyers and sellers. And when you read that, you can't help but literally kind of vomit because (laughs) gold is everything that they just said it isn't. It's easily tradable. It's the most liquid asset in the world. It's silly Mm -hmm. to think otherwise, unless you are holding paper, which is not liquid like physical. And it's also a huge, one of the largest markets in the entire world. Yeah, I I
1: completely agree. I think that you know, we're going to be talking about Jim Rickards coming up, and he, he he's the first person to talk about the fact that when there's a an economic crisis, liquidity freezes up, meaning you can't sell stocks, you can't sell anything, uh, the market completely freezes up or or shuts down, and we've seen that happen several times in the last couple of years with with the flash crashes and and things like that. What if there's, uh, you know, I don't want to be extreme here, but you know, an, an EMP, if there's just an energy shortage, if the energy goes out, how do you deal with that? Well, gold, you can still trade. Like we tell people this all the time. If there is a major economic catastrophe that occurs, well, You know, your ETFs might be wiped out or your mutual funds might might say, Nope, no more redemptions, but your gold and silver is still in that independent vault facility in your RSP because there is no counterparty that has any claim to that product. And so that is the key here, the fact that if every if all the lights go out, you still have gold. You can still trade gold with your partners. You just put it on a plane and fly it over wherever you need to go. Put it on a boat, whatever it is. So I'm not quite believing what they're saying in that respect.
0: Well, let's stay on this topic for a little longer in segment two. We'll talk about where Canada came from, its history, and what it held at its peak in terms of gold tonnage in its central bank, and uh, much, much more as the articles we had mentioned earlier. If you want to get into the market, go over to guildhallwealth.com. We have an e-store there. You can start buying right now as you're listening to this show. Literally start adding to your gold or silver stack as you see fit. If you want to put it in the registered account, as Jeremy just pointed out, very safe way to do it, we can set you up with that inside your RSP of any type or, as Paul always mentions, one of the most brilliant ways to invest in silver and gold is through a TFSA. We partner with a fantastic firm, an internationally known firm, globally known and nationally known here, uh, the fifth largest bank in Canada, actually, to be honest with you, one of Canada's 50 best managed companies, Inquestrate, as our partner in all of this with registered accounts and for a limited time. Every 5,000 US you put into a registered account, you're going to get one gram of free gold up to a maximum of 10, it's our way of welcoming you to the marketplace, saying thank you and bringing you aboard. But there is a lot more to talk about, Jeremy. Let's hope that people are listening, they've made the right decision, they've thought about freeing up some funds to make a good addition to their portfolio, and that gold and silver can be part of that. one 8778 silver guildhallwealth.com is the website. We'll be back after a short break. Please stay with us. You are listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And Welcome back to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. Thanks for staying with us. You are tuned in with Guildhall Wealth Management and the people here are fantastic. I got to tell you, I've been at this firm for 14 years. We help people to get into the gold and silver markets. We talked a little bit about that at the tail end of segment. Number one, Jeremy going on about this situation question of the week and relating it to, uh, uh the current situation, state of affairs for the G7, G8 nations, Canada sold off all its gold we talked about that in the first segment now down to basically nothing i think there's a little tiny bit of fine print that says they have something like 75 ounces remaining which is a footnote on everything because historically as it turns out canada was a much larger player at one point in time in fact they hit their peak in and around 1965 and at that time they had just a little over a thousand tons of gold in holdings and that was their zenith so to speak By 1985, Canada's holdings had fallen to about 500 tons. And throughout the nineties up to 2002, Canada kept selling its gold. Canada has now reached uh, basically its bottom uh, of gold holdings, which is none. So effectively they've gone in a different direction than the other G8 nations or the other seven nations besides them who hold a hundred tons or more, some of which hold the most in the world in the U S. Reportedly, on paper at least, anyways, and um, of course, the other nations that are part of the G seven, some of them big holders of gold. Where does this rank in terms of of uh, the precedent it sets? And and do you feel comfortable being in a country that doesn't own gold? No, I don't feel comfortable. Um, and I think
1: it's I think it puts Canada in the realm of collusion. As Nomi Prins would put it, with mm-hmm. with the Federal Reserve, I think the timing of the original starting to sell off of the physical gold um, is in line with um, what the coming end of the London Gold Pool, which which came to a collapse in in 1968 69, uh, which ended up being going off the gold standard in 1971. You know, Darren, you and I, and we have it up on our YouTube, that uh, Comer versus uh, the Bank of Canada, because the Bank of Canada is one of the only central banks in the world that can lend money at no interest. And it's what built the roads, built the healthcare system, and built everything that's great about this country. And every finance minister since has abdicated the right to use it in, in, in favor of taking loans from the Fed, et cetera. And we know that the, the Fed bailed out some of the major banks to the tune of billions and billions of yeah, dollars. Yeah, we
0: needn't say them here on this show, but folks, it's true. When 2007-8 happened, as a side note, there were bailouts here in Canada. We just didn't hear about them. Our reporting mechanisms prevented us from having to dive too deep into those, and that allowed certain banks of the large four, at least two, uh, to take bailouts or money from the feds during that period of time. So where is this all
1: leading, right? With mm-hmm. the idea of holding physical precious metals why Why are we talking about this? Because, you know, I had a conversation a long time ago. I always have these kind of end up in these heated why gold conversations at dinner parties and whatnot. And uh, you know, we were talking about physical gold and why Why gold? Why bother? And the person I was speaking to said, well, I said, what happens if, if Canada has to pay off debts and uh, you know they, they've run out of cash? What happens next? I said, well, that's what crown land is for. Well, no. Once you sell off your crown land, you no longer have a country. You've lost your sovereignty. That's exactly why you have physical gold, right? Even Turkey recently sold off some gold because they had to pay off their debts. I'm sure they would have liked to have done it at a much higher value of gold, but they had it nonetheless. So the idea here is become your own central bank, have physical product in your vault, your own vault, whether it's your safety deposit box, whether it's a vault that you utilize to ensure and store your product for ease of liquidity. But the idea is that in a liquidity crisis, and the market, the equity markets are starting to come down, and interest rates are rising, which means um, TD came out with an article this week on Bloomberg saying that with the interest rates in Canada, another one or two rises in interest rates and people's mortgages are gonna go from $300 to $700 on their mortgage. That's a lot of disposable income out the window. So you have to be prepared for these things and the best way to prepare your actual financial portfolio is to diversify a little bit into a hard asset that is fully liquid, has no counterparty risk, and at this point in the market is so incredibly undervalued, we can talk about where the potential is, but the, the, the gold, the world gold council just said that gold could be up to over $1,500 within a year.
0: That's amazing. one 7 8 silver guildhallwealthcom is the website. Jeremy, just to make uh, uh, a very poignant close on this particular question of the week from David and Omimi, who I hope is listening and I hope is calling in. And if he hasn't already, shame on you. Let's get going. Get that gold <laughs> stack happening. But if you could be an expert in as few words as possible. Let's just deal with something really quickly to get rid of this article and move on to the next one, okay? okay. <clears throat> Their point here is that the Bank of Canada believes, number one, gold is not liquid. Is there a more liquid investment in the world than gold? Yes or no? You know that answer.
1: You The tell answer me. is no.
0: Right. Gold is the most liquid asset in the
1: world. Yeah. If we but look at the global picture, let the me, global picture. But here's a conversation I have with my clients all the time. Mm-hmm it is the most liquid asset in the world. You can sell it anywhere around the globe, mm-hmm. right? It's it, everywhere. It, it The market trades 24 hours a day, um, except for, I think, Saturday, um, Saturday and p- part of Sunday, except that, Once you own some gold, let's just talk about someone who has never purchased any physical gold. They might have some mining stocks, um, something like that, but they've never had physical, physical gold. You take that physical gold, you put it in your safety deposit box, right? And we're talking less than 10% of your portfolio at this point. That is the last product you will sell. It's completely liquid. Absolutely. You could sell it anywhere except that to get in your car, go to the vault, take take the product out of the vault, right? or out of the safety deposit box, there's a lot of thinking there that says, do I really need to get rid of this wealth, right? So the idea of saving physical wealth is a great way over time to build wealth of just accumulating and accumulating. Now, we're, that's talking about a very small portion. If it's a larger portion, then of course, yeah, you could sell it very easily on a phone call if you're storing it in, in the vault or depository. But I'm talking about the idea that it's incredibly
0: liquid, but it's probably the last thing you'd ever sell. Okay. So it's probably the last thing you're ever going to sell because it's insurance. You might want to intermittently take a portion of your holdings as we have done through Guildhall and countless thousands of clients have done through Guildhall and perhaps liquidate some while pullbacks occur because those cycles are very big and give us or afford us opportunity. But let's look at the next point. The Bank of Canada points out that in particular gold may be a slightly too high of a volatile metal. Well, we opened our doors in two thousand and two and let's put that to the test, right? Price of gold is now trading up around twelve hundred and thirty five dollars an ounce. Now let's not account for what its peak was during this uh bull market. Let's just simply say, where is it now? Well, it's up over three hundred percent. Okay. Pretty amazing. Yeah, not I only mean, that all things considered, you, right?
1: You have to go you have to go to 2001 to find a down year, which was less than 2%, and 2002, which was less than 1% of a down year. The next down year in the market, after multiple double-digit return gains in the Canadian dollar, you have to go all the way to 2013, where you get a major pullback. And then every year after that, it's been plus, 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 plus. This year, I think we're, we're about... under, still a couple months to go here. And how do you call that volatile? Meanwhile, look at the equities markets right now. Since January, that's an incredibly volatile market compared to
0: gold and silver. Well, let's look back on the TSX as an example. Our investors, the people listening to the show, very familiar with TSX. They probably invest all the time in stocks and hold it. The Bank of Canada says, in favor of having, uh, let's get rid of gold because we want to have something else. Uh, that is more tradable. That is is uh, what they call easily tradable, and that have deep markets of buyers and sellers. Well, let's deal with those two points. Number one, has the TSX outperformed gold since we opened our doors? The answer is no. It hasn't. It's doubled, right? Lots of volatility still in the stock market, mm. but it's basically gone from you know around seven thousand up to, you know, where it is today at 15,000 and change. So it's doubled. So it's, it's not outperformed gold. Gold has outperformed the index, the TSX, right? That's the majority of that too. Um, so that's number one. Um, so let's have a little bit of that in your portfolio because long-term since we've been here, it's performed very well and will continue to do. So we believe under the same set of fundamentals that are governing what the long-term pricing will be. Number two, and last point on this before we move on, um, does gold and silver have a deep market of buyer and sellers? Well, let's, instead of answering that as experts, let's just cite what the facts are. The actual daily turnover approaches $25 billion in the gold market. It is second only to, and this is only two markets in the world, the U.S. bond market and the Japanese bond market. Those are the only two larger markets in the world than gold. It supersedes the size of every stock market in the world. It supersedes anything that they have in the Eurozone, anything in the other tradable areas of the world. So it has buyers and sellers, which is why it's so liquid. Okay. So let,
1: let's, let's forget the Central Bank of Canada for a second. Let's just, let's just talk about the, the listener right now who's saying, yeah, 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 but it costs money to buy gold. Right. It doesn't you don't just pay a, a, a five dollar, ten dollar trade fee and then that's it. You've got your, your equity and uh, you know you try to beat the market. But let's just say you go back to two thousand five and you've got twenty five thousand dollars and you buy gold at give or take, let's say four hundred dollars an ounce, right? You're looking at owning sixty two ounces of gold. Okay. To, today in Canadian dollars, that's worth roughly sixteen hundred dollars an ounce. That's worth a hundred thousand dollars, so that's through the through the the two thousand and eight collapse. I've done
0: nothing. I haven't bought or sold to, it. Nothing.
1: Yeah, that's through trying to get your dividends and Jeez. trying to you know all of these different things. So, is it worth? The idea here is: look, there's a lot of people out there, a, a lot of very very smart people out there who are telling you to have you know. of your portfolio in precious metals right now, but even if you just had 10% in there, it's completely done its job, 100% through and through. And here we are today, and the market is so incredibly undervalued on gold and silver when you compare it to the massive amounts of debts that have been incurred over the last decade since the 2008 crisis, which was a debt crisis to begin with. So you papered over the debt with way more debt. How do you think that's going to end? You think that's going to end by papering over more? And you think that the best way to solve it for your portfolio is to own more paper? No, you have to have something solid, physical, outside the banking system, something that has zero counterparty risk, something that has been money for thousands and thousands of years, and that is gold and silver.
0: The tipping point has come and gone, folks. Time to get some physical precious metals into your portfolio. You can do that by going to guildhallwealth.com. There's an e-store there where you can buy online in the comfort of your own home or the comfort of anybody else's home. Get together, do it as friends, put together a little portfolio, start buying some silver gold. What a fun way to approach this time of year. Whether it's for pleasure, whether it's for gain, whether it's for insurance, it doesn't make a difference. We're here to help you. step of the way, call the number one eight silver That's one silver The website is, I just said, guildhallwealth.com. We'd love for you to pick up a free investor's kit, get that crucial information into the palm of your hand so that you can read this material, educate yourself, and you can be in the know like the people who are around you that have already bought gold and silver. Let's get going. More information. We're going to take a short break and come back, and uh, we're going to talk to Jim Rickards about what his feelings are and what might be the biggest ticking time bomb yet, and it's not what you think. You are listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. I'm your host, Darren Long, and with me, as always, Jeremy Wiseman. We are talking today about the government of Canada, Jeremy. We had a question of the week which is taking two segments so david from omimi i'm going to tell you once again i want to hear from you give us a call at the office give us uh you know go over to the website guildhallwealth.com is the website and we'd love to hear from you regarding what your thoughts are and the feedback about that not a great situation to be in and one that in particular surprises very few people that I had followed along what few, the listener it might surprise you to know that the government of canada does in fact have no gold in their holdings. One of the only central banks in the world not to have gold. Jeremy, what does this all mean? Where does this all, uh, you know, where does it come to a head here? You know, do people, is the government of Canada wrong? Do they get it wrong? You mean, listen, far be it for us to say we're the politicians of the world or that we represent the people. But, you know, in your opinion, why is it not a good idea to you know, have gold in your you know forget holding gold and have that insurance policy. Why is it a bad idea to forego
1: that well i I mean I don't know if the if Canada is intending to take over mining operations from from other you know countries that are using it and uh and start mining gold if they have to um, but at the end of the day, every central bank will tell you that they hold gold because it's a way to hedge against risk, specifically currency risk, whether that's foreign currencies, because they can get quite volatile. For example, the US dollar, how strong is it? Um, most people would say, no, it's it's not that strong, not a very trustworthy currency. Their debts have ballooned. What if your own debts have ballooned? How do you pay those off eventually, right? So the idea of having a hard asset To protect against these volatile currencies or these currencies that lack value is the reason why central banks are buying it and and accumulating it like crazy because... The power structures are changing, and there's a lot of debts being added on, and this is creating a lot of geopolitical tension. It's creating it's creating populist movements, and there's a lot of tension. We talk about geopolitical risk, Darren. Well, every single day there's a geopolitical risk problem. It used to be that maybe one geopolitical risk issue could drive markets crazy. Well, today it's just it's it, they're peppered with geopolitical issues. When does this all come to a head, and what happens uh, to your portfolios when it does and when you're completely in one market like equities it's all doesn't matter how diversified you are you're in a currency and if that currency starts to decline rapidly now we've seen the u.s dollar peak and we have started to see it decline again and uh, we think that that's going to be the trend long term and so that's why central banks are buying gold and one country that's buying a ton of it more than a ton of it is china
0: well, China, it's an interesting point you bring up because in addition to the question of the week, we also had a wonderful article from Jim Rickards this week. Someone who is a person we follow, an analyst that is esteemed within the community of people that we follow, Nomi Prince, uh, kind of treats him like a mentor. They've said lots about this fella, and he knows a lot because he was on the inside. Again, like uh, other analysts we've spoken to, he had a unique Opinion was built from years of participating in the very systems that he now discusses and analyzes. And he's talking about China being the ticking time bomb, not the U.S., not some other part of the world. In fact, the article was entitled, The Debt Bomb is Ready to Explode. We pulled this off of Silver Doctor. It's a great resource. And Jeremy, you had a little more to say on the, on the, the, the subject, but as it turns out right now, There is a problem, which maybe the mainstream is not paying attention to, and it's an old friend of ours. We've talked about it. It is kind of the elephant in the room, so to speak, but China's in big trouble. Yeah. You
1: know, from the, from the aspect of what Jim's talking about, he's just pointing out that much of China's growth. And he says it's about 25% of total has consisted of wasted infrastructure investment. We've heard of those ghost cities, for example, and white elephant transportation infrastructure. And that's an interesting thing to pay attention to, because no one's really mentioned it in a, in a while. And the idea is that that investment was financed with debt to kind of get the, get the economy going and keep it active. But eventually, that debt has to be repaid. And remember, interest rates are rising. So the next thing jim does is he starts to look towards the future and he says that uh, they're going to move towards more of a high value added technology and increased consumption side of an economy versus just a you know a a, a A a machine to build things, uh, specifically their own infrastructure and and ghost cities. And by shifting to intellectual property, he says, and uh, the consumer means slowing down on infrastructure, which will slow down the economy. So in turn, that means exposing the bad debt for what it is, which risks uh, a financial and liquidity crisis. And I think that's sort of where we're headed globally as well, this idea that the economy in in North America, for instance, is nothing more than a debt-based illusion. They can come up with all the stats that they want, but it's all been debt-fueled. You know, stock buybacks, corporate buybacks, um, the Fed buying back its own, you know, treasuries and whatnot. That eventually, that's going to come to reality, and when it does, the little guy's going to get hurt really bad
0: well we forget it wasn't too long ago when we opened up our doors that China was in fact not one of the top two largest economies in the world in fact Japan superseded uh, China some time ago as the world's second largest economy but China is now the world's second largest economy we should pay attention to that because it makes for a very interesting discussion especially as it relates to hard assets what is China doing behind the scenes well we know for fact that China, among other people in that particular region, other central banks in that region, they're accumulating. And they've been accumulating in a very large way. China is went from being basically nothing, and in fact, a country where up until about 2000, it was actually not legal for individual citizens to hold gold to now being a country that preaches it. You've been there several times, Jeremy, and, and you've been able to You've been able to see the culture, absorb the culture from diamond buying experiences. And it is not uncommon to see them on uh, evening news, evening uh, TV stations, afternoon TV stations, uh, touting the the benefits of holding physical gold. Take a part of your savings, put it into gold. In fact, they have gold vending machines in that part of the world, as well as the Middle East, where there are sections of the world that uh, they've got this common sense To to look at the world as a whole and realize that, okay, there is still a superpower in the U.S. that is still the world's largest economy, and pretty much everybody on that side of the pond is, is safe because they're all attached directly to the U.S. economy, our country, for example, among others, but... There is an uncertainty about what the future holds. And if that uncertainty wasn't there, if debt was tempered, if there wasn't a need to push the printing, the button on the printing press and have done and accumulated as much debt as we had, maybe there wouldn't be such a need to have that protection there. But in this day and age, we never, ever fight against the banks. The central banks buy gold, the banks buy gold, we own gold. Yeah, we we've t- we've said that already in the show. Become
1: your own central bank. I think that after the next uh, crisis, next market downturn, uh, whatever you want to call it, I think that gold is going to come into a lot more favor for the long term for individuals. I think that the 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 debt based. Growth that we've seen over the last decade, which papered over the last debt crisis, is going to really wake people up and perhaps shake them to their core and realize, wait a minute, maybe just blind faith in fiat currencies is not going to help me long term. What we're interested is is to help clients get into the market sooner rather than later because it's only going to get more expensive to, to get that insurance policy for your portfolio and protect that wealth long term. One other market that I wanted to just change uh, direction on for a moment here, Darren, is uh, the art market recently. Uh, looks like it's it's been in a, a bit of a, a tailspin. Specifically, Andy Warhol. Um, Bloomberg came out and said that the sales have declined dramatically over the last couple years. The reason I bring that up is because the art market can can be quite volatile because it can get pushed up. Uh, People are just kind of moving into that market because it's the the spotlight shining on it type of thing, the way we see trends like, uh, you know, uh, marijuana stocks or or cryptocurrencies, for instance. But one market that doesn't seem to have the type of volatility that you see, even in a hard asset market like art, are natural fancy colored diamonds. We have just completely not seen this type of volatility at all. In fact, pinks, and blues have continued to rise. In some cases, some yellow diamonds have leveled off a little bit, uh, but we haven't seen any major any drastic down drafts at all, if if any, in the yellow diamond market. We still have a difficult time finding them if you can find them, and the prices are still quite robust as they were even, even five, six, seven years ago. And so this is a type of market for a long term investor if they're looking to really protect and grow wealth, that they should really consider looking into a quality natural fancy colored diamond.
0: There are many reasons to hold various assets that we talk about on a weekly basis. Bar none, a natural fancy colored diamond for me is the sleep easy at night asset, the best long-term asset The least amount of volatility and it's still priced affordable even though it's not a secret anymore Jeremy as it once was when we started doing this it is of such great value to an investor who is astute enough to open up his or her eyes and say what is this asset what can it do for me and what is the history of pricing in this particular arena and with that in mind Let's stay on that topic, go into the next segment, our final segment, we have a little bit to say about Natural Fancy Colours Diamonds. We've got a special on for the month of November through to December, all the way up to the holiday season. And we'd like to share that with our listeners as a thank you for them and those that might invest in Natural Fancy Coloured Diamonds. And we'll talk about a little more pertaining to where silver's going in all of this, because we've mentioned a lot about gold, Let's not leave silver out of the picture and uh, let's put it all together for that last segment. So please stay with us, folks. There's a lot more to talk about here on The Real Money Show. The number to call is one eight seven seven eight silver silver Guildhallwealth.com is the website there. You can go and get yourself an Investor Kit. It's free of charge or call the number. We're happy to send it out to you, but get there as soon as you can. It's important to have this knowledge. You will make yourself... Very, very wise, from having and knowing all of the things that we have learned about the reasons to hold gold and silver, listen, stay tuned we 're coming right back with more here on the real Money show with Guildhall Wealth Management. You are listening on the global news radio six forty Toronto. Welcome back to the Real Money show with Guildhall Wealth Management. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. You will be thankful you use that number because there is a slew of information we want to share with you. The Guildhall website is guildhallwealth.com, and there is an e-store there. You can set up a depository storage account for gold and silver. Just get started. One bar, maybe a few bars, if it's an ounce of gold or maybe a few ounces of gold. Get yourself educated about why gold and silver ownership is smart long-term, why it has been so successful over the last... Decade or two, and or if you've been watching it for
1: the last yeah, four or five years, and absolutely you're, you're wondering when is the right time to get involved. What one of the mistakes we see a lot of people make is they're they're hesitant to make a decision on a large amount of money when what they could be doing is just stepping in, putting a toe in the water, acquiring some physical product. You know, maybe instead of fifty thousand, you do you know four or five thousand dollars and get a sense of the physical product in your hand and build up over time and get and get a feel for the industry for example.
0: All right, well listen if we were talking about gold and silver in in talking about the various fundamentals of the marketplace from the weakness of long-term US dollar, that perspective, which we all believe most analysts do as well that the US dollar will weaken. If we were talking about inflationary pressures, we see it in the food industry. We've talked about it uh, sometimes at nausea, but so important, such an important point if it's geopolitical uncertainty or whether it's supply and demand, we also mentioned natural fancy colored diamonds. And for those reasons that we just discussed, the same fundamentals that drive the long-term price of gold and silver, they drive the pricing within natural fancy colored diamonds too. And maybe on some of those points, even more so, especially the inflationary pressures as well as the supply and demand. These are not, in particular with respect to the gold and silver markets, natural fancy colored diamonds are not something that has been paperized they haven't come to some central holding area they haven't been mainstream yet and yes people know them more than they did before Jeremy but would it amaze you folks if you were listening here right now to know that you could have taken 10,000 when we opened up our doors and bought yourself a beautiful argyle pink diamond as an investment not necessarily something to wear, although that is an option, but as an investment, something you can go back, check every once in a while, but you can sleep well at night owning and now see that that 10000 what Jeremy probably in the neighborhood forty fifty sixty maybe 70,000 depending on the diamond you bought.
1: Yeah, and and you know, Darren, we were talking uh, last segment a little bit about the art market and mm. this article I found one thing in particular I found interesting about just the idea of Warhol's works in general compared to a natural fancy colored diamond because the natural fancy colored diamond market is so small and finding the quality diamonds is so difficult that that's what underpins the market consistently because uh you have to try to find the diamond first and then once you can get that diamond it is a, an incredible investment to be a part of but look at the numbers as an example the the warhol museum has 900 paintings 100 sculptures Two thousand works on paper, a thousand published and unique prints, four thousand photographs, sixty feature films, two hundred screen tests, and four thousand videos. That is a lot of different works by one by one artist. If we look at the Argyle Tender, for instance, and let's let's just say they are doing sixty diamonds a year for the last twenty years. That's twelve hundred diamonds. You know, the out of that the VS quality. Now, we've followed the VS quality out of those uh, tenders for for years, and the VS quality is usually around 20 to 30%, which puts it around 360 So out of the product that you see throughout the rest of the year, right, when we try to find a VS pink, for instance, throughout the rest of the year, we might see another two or three, maybe four, maybe five. So if you add all that up, you're basically, even if you doubled that number – you're looking at a thousand of these v s quality diamonds of the type that we're looking for at Guildhall, and then you know the numbers are are a bit higher on the yellow diamonds. uh the stronger the color, the more rare the diamond is so but even still, you're still looking at a very minute number, and that's what's driving the market. It's the pure rarity they are incredibly beautiful. They're a luxury item that you can enjoy in the form of jewelry as well. So you can go look at the jewelry that we have on Guildhall Wealth and see the type of quality that we have there. And then of course, there's the rise in value, consistent rise in value. I think that's what any investor is looking for, right? Consistent rise in value.
0: Well, that's what you get, and in particular, let's use an example from this week because our office was very sad to see one particular diamond leave our inventory. It had been with us for a while, and we certainly weren't putting not
1: that long not like not maybe that long a maybe a year, but but year part and a of half, the reason it was
0: with us is because it was one of paul's favorites, and um, you know when it's Paul's favorites, your favorites. Um, There are a premium on sun diamonds because of where they fall in that rarity scale. This particular stone, and I will say congratulations to its new owner because this is a collector now. This is no longer a single investor. This is a person who's come over to the diamond side with gold and silver and has uh, been in a fortunate position and able to afford to have a collection. But uh, this is this individual's sixth or seventh diamond now. It was a 1.51 fancy vivid yellow round, brilliant, flawless diamond. And this particular stone was, uh, an interesting diamond because it had been with us for a little bit of time, not a very long time. No diamond we've had has been with us for years per se, but this particular diamond was and did have a certain premium because of the characteristics of the diamond, but as it relates to what we found out about the rarity of the diamond, we found out, and this is loosely based. Okay. Because this is probably even more so with this diamond, it a diamond like this of its caliber comes to market maybe once every two to three years and it is one in I believe the number uh, that was pulled from the natural uh, It was like one in 100 million, million, isn't it? One in 100 million. <laughs> one yes. in 100 million. So this person got a diamond and is holding a diamond now that I would easily be comfortable uh, with saying it would double inside the next six, eight years, but has no intention. This is a long-term investment for this individual. No,
1: and, and Darren, I want to mention something about, you You just said, you know, we've had it a while and the values keep increasing, so it's okay. I mean, you would think that, a comp- that any major jeweler It never went on sale. I know know Graff does it, but you would think that major jewelry chains would want to hold... Natural fancy colored diamonds as part of their inventory because it's always rising, whereas That's right. white diamonds are not always rising. Correct. So if they did have a portion of their portfolios in natural fancy colored diamonds, you know it's it's levying their their profitability. Um, but one of the reasons why it's not a fast moving market the way real estate is per se is because this is not a market where leverage is at play, and that right. is something right. that every investor should consider Big difference. here. The, People do not buy a natural fancy color diamond on debt. They don't use a line of credits. They're not taking, pulling them equity out of their home. They're not borrowing, getting a mortgage for a natural fancy color diamond. They're buying a $300,000 diamond with liquid capital. That's right. And that's it makes it a very different market. And that is also part of the reason why it's such a stable market, because you don't have people making payments on something that they already that they've acquired. Mm-hmm. Once they own it, they own
0: it. You want to sleep at night, folks? This may be the right investment for you. It's certainly something you should consider as part of your portfolio with gold and silver. one Silver is the number to call. Guildhallwealth.com is the site to go. Two, you can get information like gold and silver uh, on natural fancy color diamonds. We'd be happy to send out a package to you. And even if it is to say this is not for me, which sometimes we'll be the first to tell you it's not for you uh, based on your situation, we're happy to help you out. Now, Jeremy, before we end the show this week, Let's not forget silver, our old dear friend, silver. We talked about Rickards and China and that ticking time bomb that's happening. We talked about the question of the week and and no gold in the coffers of the central bank of Canada, and we basically are now Uh, at the point where we believe silver has bottomed and many analysts share our opinion there are a number of them out there hubert moolman one of the ones i follow from silver seek on a week-to-week basis also shares that opinion and he's saying markets going not only through the roof but to all-time historic highs he predicts within 60 months i think it could happen a lot sooner What is somebody doing right now to help themselves if they're spending ten or twenty thousand in the market and silver goes to fifty dollars an ounce? What are we talking about here? What happens? How do I why am I so excited about this?
1: Well, the reason you're excited is because, you know, earlier in the show, Darren, we talked about the fact that if you had put in twenty five thousand dollars into gold, you know. Basically, twelve years ago, it's worth a hundred thousand dollars today, which is an incredible return. But if you're getting, if you're getting silver, let's say you're putting twenty-five thousand dollars into silver today, um, and you're getting it at about twenty-one dollars an ounce, you're getting about eleven hundred ounces of of silver, and eleven hundred ounces of silver. Let's say it go, it rises now. We think it's going to go much higher than that. We'll talk about about those type of predictions in a moment. But even if it went to $50 an ounce with no 30% exchange rate and things like that, you're at $55,000. Right. That's before an exchange, right? Now, we have seen some crazy things in markets. We've already been there
0: too. That price is we've, already a
1: price we've been to. We've been there before. Yep. Um, We've seen some crazy things in the markets. We've seen what happens when people run into a market because everybody else is running into a market. Now, this is a market that people run to when there is nowhere else to hide. Who said that? Danielle DiMartino Booth. She said, there, there is nowhere else to hide when the market starts to go down. And that's why most of the people at the Fed invest in physical gold. We think that the market could go... I mean, Jim Rickards, for instance, says $10,000 gold is a no-brainer. He's not the only one. He's not the only one, and if you look at at a a 16-to-1 ratio or even a 30-to-1 ratio of gold to silver, you're looking at silver in the multiple hundreds of dollars. If silver was
0: at the average it's been over the course of this entire bull market, 55-to-1, right now it'd be at $22 US per ounce. Folks, if that's not value, I don't know what is. The number to call, one 78 silver guildhallwealth.com is the website. Get yourself a free investment kit and get it now before it is too late. You've missed out on this opportunity. It is so, super value and as an investor you should want this in your portfolio the number to call again one 78 silver or guildhallwealth.com we want to thank you for tuning into the real money show this week brought to you by of course guildhall wealth management we'll be seeing you around the corner next week's show we look forward to it thank you for listening on the global news radio 640 toronto Network.